0: call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary
2: Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. I want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. Uh, Grace FM's airing live, you know, all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming all the way down to Colorado Springs even into parts of like Castle or Pueblo and um, Canyon City is the city I was trying to remember so hey We're so glad to have you tuning in those of you listening here in Colorado and up into southern Wyoming We also want to welcome those who are tuning in on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey and Maryland welcome to the program and we are also uh, broadcasting on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to those of you listening on Truth FM. It's so good to see how God is growing the family of listening stations and people who are able to tune into this program. It's really cool to see. And we also have a lot of listeners who tune in online as well. But before we get to that, let me just remind you that those of you listening on the East Coast in the area around. Tennessee, just remember that you're hearing this program on a one-week delay, but we would still love for you to call in, and then you guys have the unique opportunity where you will be able to listen to yourself on the radio one week later after the show airs, and you can use that as an opportunity maybe to tell some friends and family, hey, tune into the radio. I'm going to be on at this and this time, and that might be a way for you to introduce them to listening to Christian radio and listening to this program and other Bible teaching as well. So, I also want to greet those who are listening online. You guys online are also hearing this show live. Welcome to the program. If you guys don't have our app yet, I really encourage you to go get it for your smartphone, for your tablet. It's totally free. Just go into the App Store, Google Play Store, and you can type in Grace FM, just as one word. It'll come right up, totally free. Put it on your device, and you can listen to the show anywhere in the world, uh, live. Not just this show, though, but all the other great programs and Bible teaching on Grace FM, as well as music on Saturdays. So definitely get that app and tune in and we know that many people around the country take advantage of that. We often see, you know, the map of people who um, tune in and a lot of people outside of our regular broadcast range. We have listeners in the Pacific Northwest, in the Southeast, in the Midwest, in the Southwest, uh, people who are not in areas where we're broadcasting over the air. But we are online, and so people tune in. We also have regular listeners from Africa, from South America, from uh, Asia, and from Europe. And so we're so glad to have you tuning in wherever you're tuning in from today. Welcome to the program. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you uh, would like biblical perspective on, maybe a question that you've always wondered about the Bible that you've wanted answered. Hopefully we can help you with that. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We've already got a couple of calls coming in and we're going to get to those right here in a second. Actually, I've got all full lines right now. So as soon as you hear a caller drop or or us end a call, that's a great time for you to call in and uh, you can get right in there. But um, before we go to those callers, I just want to give you a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And our church recently moved. We are currently open For in person services on Sunday, and we are also broadcasting our services online. So if you're looking for a place to worship either online remotely, or if you're looking for a place to attend service in person, we would love to have you. You don't need to pre register or uh, call ahead or anything to attend in person. We recently moved into this new building, and we have a lot of space here, and it's just a huge blessing. And so we're just welcoming people who would like to come and worship with us. If you are within driving distance of Longmont, uh, we would love to have you. We recently moved. So where we're now located is just half mile east of County Line Road on Highway 119 in Longmont. We're really right on the eastern edge of Longmont, uh, close to I-25. So we're in between... I-25 and County Line Road, closer to County Line Road than I-25. But we're in the city of Longmont in between I-25 and County Line Road, just on the north side of Highway 119, which is the main highway, which leads from the interstate into the city of Longmont. And and what that means is it's really convenient for people who are coming from Frederick, Firestone, Decono, people coming from Meade, um, also, you know, people coming from Place like we have people who come from Johnstown and Loveland, as well as Berthoud. Over into from the west, we have people who come from Lyons and people who come from Boulder. Niwot, of course, as well. Hey, so if you are in, let's say, Berthoud or Erie, Lafayette, you can come right down County Line Road. We're really close there. So we'd love to have you. If you're in any of those areas or in Longmont or within driving distance, our address, for those of you who are interested, is twenty-nine fifty. Colorful Avenue, 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. You just put that right in your GPS and you can even see where we're at on the map. We're just across the street on the north side of Highway 119 from Sandstone Ranch, um, ballparks, and you know the sports complex there, which is a big place for, you know, soccer and baseball. There's a skate park there and all that. So, uh, we'd love to have you. You can find out directions. You can find all the information you need on our website at whitefieldschurch.com. And our services are at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday, both in person and online. So whitefieldschurch.com and 9 and 11 a.m. Let's go to our first caller, Jeremy, right here in Longmont, Colorado. Hi, Jeremy. Welcome to the program.
0: Hey, Pastor Nick. How's it going?
2: Going great. What's up?
0: Good. Um, so I had a question. and my, my question was, Do you think laughing and crying uncontrollably is a biblical thing? Kind of like being like filled with the Holy Spirit?
2: So, yeah, I saw your question before I took your call, and I was trying to think through it, if I can think of any examples of people crying in the Spirit or laughing in the Spirit. There's only one verse that could be even remotely taken to speak of um, laughing in the spirit, but I don't actually think it's talking about laughing in the spirit in the way that a lot of people use it So I'm going to tell you that. No, I don't think that there is a biblical precedent for either of these But that doesn't mean that someone can't be moved by the spirit and it result in Some of these manifestations in some cases. Okay, so so the verse that I'm talking about I'd have to look it up, but it's in the Psalms and it talks about how you have filled my mouth with laughter now that verse was taken uh, and used in times past, specifically like in the, in the 1990s, it was used by some groups that really advocated for holy laughter and these holy, you know, laughter gatherings where they would talk about being drunk in the Holy Spirit. They would talk about the Holy Spirit as a bartender and how they would, you know, drink the Holy Spirit wine and be, you know, what, what they were kind of doing was using a verse from Ephesians chapter 5 that says do not be filled with wine in which is dissipation but be filled with the Holy Spirit and there's a juxtaposition there between wine and the Holy Spirit and they're saying so we're not going to be drunk with wine but we will be drunk with the Holy Spirit I personally think that's a that's really taking that verse way out of context because what it's saying is don't be under the controlling influence of any substance I think that verse can also be applied to marijuana or other substances that people might abuse Um, And then um, it's saying instead, be under the controlling substance instead of the Holy Spirit. And now if we look at Galatians chapter 5, we see what the fruits of the Spirit are, right? And so one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. So being out of control, even if it is uh, in a seemingly positive way, like laughter, uh, is still being out of control, right? And so that that we wouldn't say that that's a re- fruit of the Holy Spirit. Then Second uh, Timothy one seven says God has given us a spirit not of fear but of power, of love, and of self control. And so another example of this, you know, in in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, Paul says in passing he says the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, it isn't that um, the Holy Spirit kind of like takes over your body and forces you to do something against your will or what we might call a disembodied experience. No, it, it's a fully embodied experience because that's what we are as created in the image of God. We are embodied beings. And so when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we uh, embody what it means to be a fully embodied being. So we have control. And yet there there, there truly are manifestations of the Holy Spirit, right? That. That could be let's say you're overwhelmed with a particular feeling. Maybe it's a euphoric feeling. I think that's possible You know, like the the psalm I was looking for is Psalm 126 126 our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy I think that we should be filled with joy. We should be filled with laughter at times when we're filled with the Holy Spirit but it's a different thing than having kind of disembodied experience where uh, we feel that we're completely out of control. Now, um, your your question about crying. Uh, again, I think that sometimes you, know, you can be moved emotionally by the Holy Spirit, and we should not try to avoid that. We should not think of that as negative. God gave us emotions, and it's one of the ways that we worship because the heart is the seat of the emotions, and we're told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. I think there's a lot of people who who focus on worshiping God with their hands and with their minds. But we also want to worship God with our hearts, meaning the seat of our emotions. Finally, just one thought on the the crying one, right? David says, for example, that I cried and I was swimming in my tears. Now, that, that isn't meant to be like that that was a good thing or that David was filled with the Spirit. He's talking about being so overcome by grief and he actually has to speak to his heart in that matter to to stop that from happening so um yeah i would just uh so i I guess that's a long answer to your question but the short answer is no i don't think those things are necessary uh, necessarily signs that you're filled with the holy spirit
0: yeah thank you very much i did have one more small question about that um i know the person i was talking to um brought up the verses um First Samuel one nineteen, and then mm-hmm. Revelation one seventeen, um, and that's I just and First Samuel is about um, can't remember exactly. I read it last night about people prophesizing um, as soon as can't remember exactly what it says. And in Revelation I know it was when um, John said like he he uh, something like he fell like he was dead um, mm-hmm. when he's in the presence of the Lord, and I I didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know if those had anything to do with that either.
2: Sure, yeah. So uh, I think that, that reference you gave me for 1 Samuel might might not be the right one. Uh, but I think I know which, because chapter 1 is, is about, um, you know, Hannah not being able to have a child. But if you go on down past, like, chapter 8 or chapter 9, this is where we meet Saul. And there's this instance, yeah. and I think this is what he's referring to, is that Saul... Um, Ends up, it says that the Holy Spirit comes upon Saul and he prophesies.
0: Yeah, and that's it, it.
2: Yeah, and it does seem as if Saul, you know, is doing something which is very unnatural to him. And that that verse, of course, did come to my mind as I was talking about this. Um, again, so what that gets into a whole discussion. Like we uh, we had this on our show a couple times last week, which was understanding different relationships with the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit came upon Saul to prophesy, this is an example in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, by the way, of the Holy Spirit. This isn't the Holy Spirit in, uh, what do you call this, like indwelling a person. This isn't the Holy Spirit um, convicting a person. This is a third relationship with the Holy Spirit about empowering for a certain calling or mission. And it would seem that this calling or this empowering was so strong upon him that in spite of himself he did something which was very unusual to himself let's put it that way Um, and I think that that's also very possible I mean look at Peter in Acts chapter 2 this is a guy who hid and ran away when a young girl asked him if he knew Jesus like you know two months earlier and then here he is two months later and he's standing up speaking to a crowd of you know, 5,000 people perhaps and saying, hey, I love Jesus. This is in the same city where Jesus was murdered, right? And where they were afraid that they were going to be murdered. And you see this guy acting in a way that is so uncharacteristic. It's just the opposite of how he previously behaved. And that's the result of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And so I would say that there is a a, uh, precedent for that. That when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, sometimes the effect is that you act in a way that is very uncharacteristic but it's uncharacteristic in the sense of you are now empowered to do the thing which you were previously either unwilling or unable to do. Um with the with the other case, John says, I fell down as one who is dead. Another example that people sometimes talk about is I think it's in the Gospel of it's one of the three Gospels. Well, it's one of the four Gospels. It might be the Gospel of John. It's the one where Jesus meets the people who have come to arrest him in the garden of Gethsemane. And it says that he spoke to them and they fell down, um, you know, and they fell and they collapsed. And so this is used as an example of saying, you know, kind of like what we would call being slain in the spirit, you know, where they say, oh, well, this is what happens when you're in the presence of God. You just collapse. Um, I think that those, those examples, you know, I think that there maybe there is a precedent for that of being, uh, having an encounter with God that causes you to just become weak in the knees or causes you to just be so overwhelmed. Um, but it's I, it's not, um, you know, what happens is that sometimes people try to systematize things um, and put God in a box, right? Like, hey, when we have our gathering on Tuesday night, I'm going to put my hand on your forehead and everybody I touch is going to fall down. Like we never see anything like that in the Bible. Um, what we see is, on rare occasions, people being so overwhelmed by the presence of God that they they couldn't stand. So I don't think those are necessarily the same thing. So anyway, that that would be my response to that.
0: Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. That was very helpful.
2: Cool. Thanks, Jeremy. God bless
0: you. Yeah, you too. Thanks.
2: All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. With that, we have one open line, so give us a call, 303-690-3000. And let's go to our next caller, Amy in North Dakota. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the program. Amy. Might have lost Amy. So... I see that Amy had a prayer request or a praise report. Let's go ahead and go to that praise report. I'll I'll just read it out for you. Her praise report was this, that we prayed for her fiancé a few times who was in jail. He's now out of jail and all of his charges have been dropped. So let's let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, thank you for this good report. Uh, Lord, we do ask that justice uh, would... Be done in in cases where uh, it's needed, but Lord, thank you for your mercy, thank you for your grace in so many so many places in our lives. Lord, where would we be without your grace? We would be totally lost, and so Lord, we're thankful for it, and we pray that Amy and her fiance, Lord, this would be the beginning of a new life together. They'd be able to get married, they'd be able to uh, get to to go to church together, to walk with you, and they to grow in you and put the past behind them. Lord, you just pray for uh, strengthening for them and their relationship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. With that, we have two open lines. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Call us with your Bible questions, uh, your questions about life from a biblical perspective, things going on maybe in culture or out there that you have questions about. 303-690-3000 or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Betty Jane in Pennsylvania. Hi, Betty. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi, how are you?
2: Doing great. What's up?
1: Good. So I'm calling to ask you for prayer Mm -hmm. um, for my grandchildren and my children um, that they are saved that my daughter lets me speak to my grandson about Jesus. He's the only one that's saved. Mm-hmm. And uh, that they just love me anyway, even though I'm a Christian. <laughs>
2: <So>. <laughs> okay. All right, well, let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we lift up Betty Jane to you and how exciting it is to have you know family coming into town. Lord, we pray that during this time you would keep the family safe as they're traveling to and from where she lives. And Lord, we do pray that you just give uh, her favor in the eyes of the family, Lord, that um, she would be able to use her relationship as mother and grandmother to get to talk to them about the good news of the gospel and about the good news of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that it would be well received. And we thank you that she has this grandson who is able to stay with her and the the parents are good with that and that the grandson is happy to be there. Lord, we pray that you'd use that relationship and help Betty Jane to have wisdom with how to share the gospel with her grandson in a way that really touches his heart and really gets to where he's at and what he needs. Lord, we pray blessing uh, upon her and this time they have together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Betty Jane, thank you for uh, calling in, and I really do pray that that time that you have with your is blessed and that God uses it.
1: Yeah, thank you. And also I wanna say I, I went through a car fire and I think I called in about it. I don't know if it was you or maybe somebody else, but um everything really worked out so well. God really blessed me with a you know, with a Subaru that has a lot of miles on it, but it's a great car and uh he you know, really sweet. God is sweet, very awesome. kind.
2: Awesome, praise Amen. the Lord. That's great. Great to hear, Betty Jane. Thanks so much. Yeah.
1: Okay. Take care. Okay. Thank you. you. So.
2: Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts live on the air today. A lot of calls today for a Friday, which is awesome. Let's keep them coming. Give me a call with your questions about the Bible. Uh, Maybe you have a follow-up question to some of the ones that we've already talked about. We'd love to hear from you as well. Um, And call us with, maybe you have questions about how the Bible speaks to some current events. We'd love to discuss those with you as well. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Dana in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Dana. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi, can you hear me okay? I'm on Bluetooth.
2: I can hear you great. What's up?
1: Okay, perfect. So I have a question. So this is a scenario. So I have an aunt. She lives in Washington with her family. We're not too close, but I was just wondering because she has exhausted the right to die with assisted suicide. Mm. And so she has some ongoing problems. She's like in her 90s. She's older. But I guess I'm just not too sure about how I feel about assisted suicide because – you know, I've always been raised to, to, to uh, think that if you go before your time and you interfere with God's plan, that that's a sin and that's not okay. But I, I guess I I don't know. My second question is kind of off topic, but um, I just—is there anywhere in the Bible that says dogs go to heaven? Because I just can't accept that they don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Well, let's I'm having talk a really about...
1: hard time with that.
2: Let's talk about the first one and then uh, we'll talk about the second one. OK, so, um, yeah, euthanasia, right, sometimes called mercy killing. It, it can be a really difficult issue, right, because we don't want to take our lives into our own hands. We shouldn't. Um, on the other hand, we don't necessarily, you know, we want to have mercy on people who are suffering. It's it's a tough one. Um, essentially, from a biblical perspective, we need to start with looking at what is life and what is death. Okay, so let's go all the way back there. What is life? The Bible would say that life has been created by God. It's a beautiful gift. But also, death, on the other hand, is a result of the curse of sin. And, um, and so, when we take, when we choose to, let's say, take death into our own hands or take life into our own hands, um, you know, whereas death is an enemy and life is a sacred gift, uh, euthanasia essentially is spurns the gift and embraces the curse. And so what we want to do is understand that while physical death is inevitable, uh, God is the one who is sovereign over how and when a person's death occurs. And so, for example, Ecclesiastes chapter 8 talks about, he says that God is the one who brings us down to death. Um, it al- it also says that no one has power Uh, Over the day of his death, God has the final say over when that takes place. So euthanasia and and assisted suicides are kind of our human attempts to usurp that authority from God. And so um, I think that it is a good thing to help someone be comfortable in the towards the end of their life. But I don't think that we should ever encourage someone to um, practice self-suicide or euthanasia. Uh, to your second question about do dogs go to heaven um, you know, I would have told you i don't think so until a couple of years ago, and now i'm I'm kind of like i don't really know so i'm i've moved on that spectrum of no on the one hand and yes on the other i've moved from no to kind of in the middle, and it was in large part due to a book I read, uh, which is actually a very good book. It was called Heaven clever title, I know, uh, by Randy Alcorn. And so I would really recommend that book. He really advocates for the idea that animals will go to heaven. And part of the reason he advocates for it is not just because... So, so some people advocate for it because they say, God loves us and wants us to be happy. And how could heaven be heaven if, you know, your dog is not there? Well, that that's where some people go. Randy has a much more nuanced argument, which is to say that if If the essence of heaven is that it is a renewed earth, it is the culmination of what this world was meant to be if sin had never entered. So it's not just a restoration of Eden. It's actually a culmination of what Eden would have been and would have become over all the earth if sin and death had never come into the earth. So there will be a new heavens and a new earth But heaven will be much more tangible than ethereal, right? So it's not just going to be floating around on clouds, uh, playing harps and being bored forever. Or, uh, you know, one of my favorites is how you'll hear sometimes pastors will be like they'll have like worship for 25 minutes in their church and then they'll get up and they'll be like, that worship was a preview of what we're going to do forever in eternity. And my thought is always, I love worshiping the Lord together but I'm not sure I could do that for like eternity, right? So, and the good news is that heaven is going to be much more uh, tangible than it will be ethereal, meaning there will be things that you can touch. It means that your loved ones, you know, they're not just going to be wispy cloud people. They're going to be real people who you can uh, touch, dance. There will be things for us to do. And in that same vein, Alcorn, Randy Alcorn says that if, Heaven is a new heavens and a new earth. If it is uh, the fulfillment and restoration of what the world was meant to be apart from sin, well, animals were part of the this creation and they bring glory to God. So then, why wouldn't it be that way in the end as well? There's also some some people who would look at like Isaiah, where Isaiah talks about what the new heavens, or where Isaiah talks about what the kingdom of God will be like. Let's use that term instead. Now, some people look at those verses, you know, where they talk about the wolf lying down with the lamb, or it's uh, the child playing at the den of the adder. And some people look at that and they say, this is talking about the thousand year reign of Christ, which will take place before the the judgment, great judgment day. Other people, on the other hand, and, and I find the argument pretty compelling, although there are arguments against it, but they would say, that that's actually describing heaven that and and therefore there would be animals in heaven so long answer ah, but check out gotcha. randy alcorn's book and uh i gotta let you go because we come up to our halfway point in our show so hey thanks for your question god bless you hey you've been listening to calvary live we'll be right back in two minutes time all open lines give us a call 303-690-3000
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
2: Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible as well as your prayer requests. I'd love to uh, pray for you. I'd love to hopefully answer some of your Bible questions. So do give me uh, a call. The number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Also the text number, 720-336-0897. Okay, let's go to our next caller, Bob in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Bob, welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. My
1: question is this um, I'm doing a Bible study through the Psalms, and there are a number of Psalms written by Asaph. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, uh, Psalm 79 in particular, seem like they're um, talking about the exile and the fall of Jerusalem. Yes. But Asaph was one of the three singers the three people in charge of the singers in Solomon's temple. Mm-hmm. So here's my question is it a different asaph that wrote this or is it a prophetic psalm because the asaph of, of the temple would have been 3 or 400 years before. Yes. Um the... Yeah, so
2: um I'm I'm looking into that right now. It's a great question by the way because here's what Psalm 79 says for the sake of our our readers who are looking it up. Um, It says this, "O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. And so your question is essentially this is the Asaph, uh, who is the writer of the Psalms. And there are a few Psalms written by Asaph. Those would be just for the sake of our listeners. Those would be Psalms 50, well, 49, 50 and 73 through 83. Are listed. Oh, I see. Actually, they're they're just um, the different numberings of the psalms. So let's say Psalm, I believe it's forty nine, and then Psalm seventy two through eighty two seventy two through eighty two are written by or they're attributed to Asaph. Now the question is, is this Asaph the same one who was at the time of David during the first temple, or or the tabernacle rather, or is this uh, a later Asaph? And and what I'm reading is a lot of people believe that this Asaph uh, was later on, and here's why: Uh, the Asaph mentioned uh, during the time of David would not have written about the temple because the temple was not yet built. In which case, it could still be a prophecy. But there's another note here that mentions this: that there was a man named Asaph also who lived during the time of Solomon's temple. In Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 12. So a man named Asaph is credited with performing the dedication. So here's one option. Um, one option is that this man Asaph lived, outlived David, and lived until the time of the building of Solomon's temple, which frankly wasn't really that long of a period of time. I mean, it was probably about seven years that it took uh, Solomon to build the temple after David's death. So that's totally possible. Um, on the other hand, though, it it is believed by many people that Asaph was was kind of a, a group of people called the Asaphites who were musicians who who played music for the the temple and kind of they they carried on throughout several generations. So that really doesn't answer our question, does it? We don't know if this is a prophecy or if it's something that was written on the occasion of the. Uh, Sacking of Jerusalem uh, at the time of the Babylonian exile. Now I would say that uh, both are possible but the reading the rest of the psalm it would seem and not just that psalm but reading some of the other psalms of Asaph uh, they would seem to have a common theme like for example Psalm 80 of Asaph talks about restoration God, how long will you be angry with your people? When will you restore us, O God of hosts? And it talks again like, turn turn your face back to us, restore us, etc. And um, there's also this theme that the people would listen to God again. And that that was a big theme throughout the Babylonian exile. If anything, you could say that one of the benefits, or probably one of the, of course, the purposes of the exile, and God allowing it, was that the people... Through experiencing this hardship would turn back to him that they would give ear towards God and that if God couldn't get their attention in any other way, then he'd do it by doing the allowing the thing to happen, which they had assumed would God would never allow to happen, which was uh, for even the temple to be destroyed. So, um, also, I noticed that there's a note in, um, the ESV study Bible that mentions that, uh, they believe that this Asaph, the identity of this Asaph is that he was writing at the occasion of the Babylonian exile rather than being a prophecy. Now, that isn't to say that we don't believe that this could have been a prophecy. It just seems to be taking everything together. It seems to be that this was uh, written at that occasion. And the Asaphites, as we see, were, were, seem to be a class of people who led music uh, like religious music for the temple. Well, thank you. Yeah. God bless you. Thanks for calling in, Bob. Yeah. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Give me a call. The number is 303 690 That's 303 690 three thousand call with your questions about the Bible or your questions about other things going on in life. We'd love to answer them, hopefully bring clarity where there hasn't been clarity in the past. And uh, you can also text us with your prayer requests and your Bible questions at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to our next caller, Angie in Denver, Colorado. Hi Angie, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, Pastor Nick. Thank you for taking my call. Um, My question today is about giving, and I know it's biblical to tithe and to support missions and to bless your favorite radio station, and giving is important, and I believe it's unto the Lord. But then I get in this area of, you know, I see a television show, and in the commercials there's the people that are dying in another country that need your help, or the wounded warriors, or... There's so many, and it just, you know, the dogs that are need to get rescued. How do you know the Lord's talking to you to give to those charities?
2: Yeah, so one of the really important principles that you see in Second Corinthians, which is a really interesting book because Second Corinthians is partly Paul defending his ministry, but another reason why he writes it is to ask for money, and he spends a lot of time— Kind of building a biblical case for giving and for generosity, and he spends a lot of time asking them for money in Second Corinthians. But when, but he also lays out some principles, and he says like here is in Second Corinthians chapter nine verse seven, he says, um, everyone should give as they have decided in their heart to give. They should neither give reluctantly nor should they give under compulsion. And that is a very good principle. And so what it's telling us that Paul is not trying to manipulate people emotionally into giving, but he's trying to give us principles. And he's basically saying, give what you have prepared ahead of time that you're going to give. And his principles are this, uh, give generously because God has given generously to you. That's one of my favorite verses in this whole section you know he says that uh god or jesus christ became who was rich became poor for our sakes and and that is the whole purpose or kind of the the whole motivation he gives for why we should give is that we have received abundantly from god and then he says this uh verse six this is second corinthians nine verse six he says whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So he's saying there's a principle here that the more generous you are, uh, you know, if you have an open hand, you not only give a lot, but oftentimes God will give more to a person who is generous. Why? Because he knows that that person will be faithful to use that money rather than being tight-fisted. So God wants us to be conduits of blessing, rather than reservoirs, right? We tend to think of ourselves as reservoirs, like I need to get another storage unit so I can store up all those blessings I've received. And so nobody takes them. Where God, on the other hand, wants us to be conduits, right? So he gives us things so that they can flow through us to other people. And we see that principle like with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And that, that same principle applies to us as well. So, that, that's the principle here. Be generous because God has been generous to you. But secondly, never let it be that you are being emotionally manipulated into it, either by guilt or by tugging on heartstrings. But it, but it says this, each one give as they have decided in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And so, you know, what this means in practice is this. The truth is there are a lot of things that you could give to and there are a lot of needs in this world. And so what you should do is rather than in the moment choosing, you know, oh, wow, this thing is really, you know, twisting my heartstrings, pray about it, you know, at a time before. So not, not Sunday morning at 10.05 when they're taking the offering, the offering basket is coming down the aisle, but, you know, the night before or, or let's say weeks ahead of time. Y- you pray about it and you give princip- or principally, right, or principled in a principled way that says, here are the things that I believe, here are the things that I want to support, and you decide and make a plan. So I would tell you, it's absolutely a good idea to make a plan. Even the idea of tithing kind of teaches us to make a plan, make a budget of sorts in a a way, right? We're giving 10%, however much that is. That's going to the work of God. Now, I also think that, you know, 10% is not like the cutoff line, right? Like I've given 10%, Therefore, I can't give any more. I must spend the rest of my money on myself. No, no, no. It's, um, you know, 10% towards the work of God is a great biblical principle. And then beyond that, hey, I can be generous all I want with the rest of what God's given me. It also tells us that we should make sure we take care of our families too, right? I I have literally met people who are so generous that they don't take care of um, their own family's needs. And so we have to walk that line as well. But that would be my advice. Uh, Don't. Be manipulated into it. Pray about it at a time when, you know, kind of like um, it's kind of like the difference between making a grocery list before you go to the grocery store or just showing up at the grocery store and hungry and just buying a lot of things that you might not need. So make a plan, pray through it, and then uh, budget it in.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much.
2: You bet. God bless you, Angie. Thanks for calling in.
1: Bless you, too. Bye. All right, Bye-bye.
2: Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We have all open lines, so it's a great time to call in. We could probably take one or two more calls, at least by the end of the show. So if you've been waiting for an opportunity to call in with your question about the Bible or your prayer request, now would be a great time to do that. You can call us at 303-690-3000. That's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, 690 3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, before we go to our text line, there's two things that I would like to do. One of them is I want to tell you about uh, something starting up at our church very soon. So if you missed the beginning of the show where I talked about uh, our church, let me take the opportunity now to just give you a personal invitation to join us at Whitefields Church in Longmont. That's the church that I pastor. I'll be preaching this Sunday uh, from a great passage in 2 Kings chapter 5, which is about leprosy and how Naaman the Syrian was healed of leprosy. And that's a picture of what God does for us in Christ. Can't wait to share that message with everybody. I'd love for you to be there. Come check us out at Whitefields Church in Longmont. We are a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in this great city. Our website, where you can find directions, You can also watch our services live on our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And if you'd like to come in person, our services are at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. So 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado. We're We're located just one half mile east of County Line Road on highway 119 also called ken pratt boulevard and we're right in between i-25 and downtown longmont so it's really accessible from those from surrounding communities as well to access us we're really blessed with this uh new location that we're in we'd love to have you come join us and worship with us but another thing that's going on at whitefields is something that's been on my heart for many years and that is the development of what we call our bible learning center now this is something we've done in the past to a degree We've had different classes on things from church history to uh, hermeneutics and how to how to interpret the Bible. But we are starting up in our new building with dedicated classrooms, our Bible Learning Center. And uh, I like to think of it as Bible College for people who don't have time to go to Bible College. You could think like community college meets Bible College uh, located here in our church. And so we'd love to have you come up if you're interested. It's going to start out on October 5th. That's next Monday, October 5th. And uh, hey, if you are interested, just go to our church's website Whitefieldchurch.com, and look for Bible Learning Center. I think it's right on the front page there, and you can click on that and you can see the classes that are running. We're going to be doing a walk through the Bible class, and we're going to be doing a guitar worship class if you want to learn how to, you know, lead worship on the guitar, there's a class for that. And then on Tuesday nights, there's going to be a spiritual transformation class, which is going to be really cool. So check that out. Go to our website, WhitefieldsChurch.com, to learn more about the Bible Learning Center starting up here at Whitefields. Let's go back to our callers. Let's go to Helen in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Helen. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi. Thank you very much for receiving my call. I am calling because I am going to have surgery Monday at 1130. I am getting my knee replaced
2: love to pray for you how are you feeling about it are you nervous
1: well i think i've been waiting for four years just through through Wolfman's comp i've been injured twice on the same knee Mm. and um i just was praying that if it happens then it's your will lord and if not then it's not your will well it finally happened
2: Mm. so is this is this a bit of a relief that you're able to get this now
1: Yes, it is. It's a relief. It's it's going to happen. It's going to get done, and it's going to be behind me mm. instead of in front of me waiting.
2: Well, I'm excited for you, Helen. Let's pray for you, Lord. We lift up Helen to you, and we pray for her total knee replacement on Monday. Lord, we ask that uh, this would truly be the relief that she's hoping for. We thank you that uh, she has the opportunity to do this, Lord. And this was just in your hands and you've opened this door. So Lord, we pray that you would um, Lord, let Helen have a good experience with the doctor. So we pray that the recovery would go quickly. We pray that the surgery would be accurate and that it would be done well. That There would be no complications. And Lord, we pray uh, that, she, that her body would receive this new knee and that uh, everything would function the way it's meant to. So we pray that this would just be a a blessing and something which she can kind of put behind her and move forward in life. But we just pray for her uh, with any anticipation, you know, anxiety, anticipating it or anything like that, Lord, that you would just calm her nerves and be with her. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you. God bless
2: you. God bless you, Helen. Thanks for calling in. All right. Bye bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got about 10 minutes left in the program, probably time for a few more calls. Give me a call here with your questions about the Bible or your prayer requests. The number to call is 303 690 303-690-3000. Let's go to Alex in Colorado Springs. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi, good afternoon. Uh, my question is about women teaching in the church. Um, if it's biblical or not? And are we um, allowed or able to?
2: OK, Yeah. So the answer to your question is, yes, women are allowed to teach in the church. In fact, they're encouraged to teach in the church. However, um, there are some parameters given around um, that practice and, and what it looks like so I, I would say it's it's a little bit more nuanced than just uh, are women allowed to teach in the church?" The answer to that is is simply yes, but we have to go a little bit deeper into what that means. but I think I think we should be able to do that pretty quickly here. Um, one of the key passages in question is First Timothy chapter two and chapter three. And a lot of times uh, people read these verses in isolation from each other, and I think it leads to a lot of confusion. Kind of on both sides, both on the side of people who say no women shouldn't teach and those who say yes, they should. I think that in order to understand this passage correctly, we have to take it in its full context, which means we have to take understand that the chapter and verse designations were not originally in the letter. Right. And so when Paul was writing to Timothy, he didn't say, "Okay, now I'm finished with chapter two and i'm going to write a large number 3 because this is now my third chapter. No, those were added much later and the reason why those numbers were added later is of course to help us navigate the bible which is very helpful except when it isn't, right? So i think this is one of the cases where the chapter break was put in a weird place which breaks up a thought that is a continuous thought and it has to do with roles of leadership in the church. And so here's what Paul's saying at the end of chapter 2, which again was, was a continuous thought in the original text. Um, he says, he's speaking about women in the church, and he says, uh, I do not permit, this is verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. And then you might say, well, that sounds um, a bit harsh. And then... Um, he says, starting in verse 3, he says, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And he goes on to explain that an overseer must be many things. But the first thing, or actually the second thing he says, he says an overseer must be, number one, above reproach. But secondly, the husband of one wife. Now, the only way to be a husband of one wife, of course, is to be male. And so he is saying here, that when it comes to overseers, uh, they must be, th- that designation is limited to men. Now, let me make this clear. This is not a distinction in terms of value, and it's definitely not a distinction in terms of ability. Uh, just because a person is male does not mean that they are a better teacher, and uh, it does not mean that they are uh, of any more value by any, any, at any way possible. But it is a matter of, I guess you would say, parameters as far as roles in the church. And so when he says this phrase, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority. Later on, he says what the role of an elder or an overseer is. And what you find is that an elder and overseer is one who teaches and exercises authority. So what he's saying there in verse chapter 2, verse 12, is that what he doesn't permit a woman to do is to be an elder. Now that's really important because here's why. There are other places in the Bible, and, and in the writings of Paul specifically, where Paul actually gives parameters for women sharing and teaching in the church. So for example, in Titus, another letter written by Paul, um, he talks about how older women are to teach the younger women. And so there's, there's an example. Women are called to teach in that area. The older women are to teach the younger women. But there's another example, which is actually, you might say, okay, so are women only allowed to teach other women? Well, there's another example, and this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11. I believe it's actually chapter 11. I'm going to check it out real quick. Um, It's yeah, it's chapter 11. And here here's what he's talking about. Sometimes this gets overlooked because it's in a broader discussion about head coverings. But, you know, people are like, oh, head coverings, you know, yada, yada, yada. But here's what's so important about this head coverings part is that. um, The head coverings, it says this, that if a woman wants to prophesy in the church or to pray so to pray or to prophesy in the church, then she can do so, but she must do so with her head covered. Okay, so now think about this. Uh, The woman is speaking in the church with her head covered, which is uh, really important in those days because it was a representation of the fact that a woman was married. If she was married, then she needed to dress as a married woman would dress. In other words, it would be unbecoming of a woman who was married to not wear a head covering, which was the symbol that you were married. It'd be kind of like today, you know, going to church, but taking off your wedding ring before you went to church. That would be inappropriate. So anyway, he's in this discussion about how uh, head coverings should be worn in church, but he mentions that women are to do this when they pray and when they prophesy before the church. Now, this is a mixed congregation. It's not just women. And so what is it? What is a prophecy? Well, Paul says later on in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, that one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, and for their consolation. So you're speaking forth a word from God to the people, the congregation, for their encouragement, their upbuilding, their consolation. So that what Paul's giving here is a precedent that uh, women are allowed to speak to the mixed congregation but they're to do so under proper authority and when they do so um they they are to you know they they can pray they can speak to people a word from the lord upbuilding encouragement and consolation what they're not allowed to do is to function in the role of an elder which is the the role that you know the elders together are setting the doctrine for the church and exercising church discipline, or authority. So I know that was a, um, a bit of a long answer, but did I answer your question for you?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. God bless.
2: Okay. Thanks, Alex. God bless you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.
2: Hey, listening to Calvary Live, we've come up to the end of our program. Um, we have a few minutes left. In these few minutes that we have left, I just want to mention one thing, and that is that uh, last night it was announced that President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania Trump Uh, have come down with COVID-19. Also, I was just right before the show, I got a message from a pastor friend of mine in New Jersey. His name is Ed uh, Sepanowski, And Pastor Ed has also come down with um, coronavirus. Now, this isn't Pastor Ed here from Grace FM. This is uh, Pastor Ed Sepanowski in New Jersey. But I would like to uh, pray for... um, this pastor in New Jersey. And I'd like to pray for uh, the president and the first lady, as well as anyone else out there who is suffering either from COVID or from repercussions related to COVID-19. Heavenly father, we lift up to you um, our our country right now and the world and people who are suffering from uh, COVID-19 and related complications Lord, we pray for president Trump and first lady Trump, Lord, that you would heal them of the coronavirus, Lord, that you'd heal them from uh, COVID-19, and Lord, that they would be well. Lord, we also pray for Pastor Ed sepinowski in New Jersey, Lord, that you would heal him and that he would have a full recovery. And Lord, we think of many others out there. Um, we think of the 200,000 people who have lost their lives in this past year just in the United States to this terrible disease. Lord, we pray that you would bring comfort and healing to families who have lost loved ones. Lord, we pray that you would bring an end to to this pandemic and to this disease. And Lord, would you help us as the people of God to navigate this situation? Lord, help us to navigate it wisely. Help us to navigate it lovingly. And Lord, help us to uh, use the unique opportunities that this situation affords us for your glory and for the preaching of the gospel and for the furtherance of your kingdom. Lord, pray, we, we ask that you'd show us ways that we can be making a difference in helping people who are have been affected either economically or health-wise by this uh, disease. And we pray that you'd lead us as your people in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you guys, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name's Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. We'd love to have you join us this Sunday, 9 and 11 a.m. here in Longmont, 2950 Colorful Avenue. Uh, God bless you guys. I'll be with you again next week. Have a great evening and a good weekend.